You're very welcome along. It's the gardening programme here on Midwest Radio on this Saturday morning in towards the end of April in Porrick Horkin. Good morning. Good morning, Deirdre. And we've had to pull the blind. (laughs) We had to pull the blind. Isn't that fantastic, isn't it? Yeah. Listen, honey, I I was uh, fortunate to be in Westport Yes. During the week, and bumped into uh, an old colleague of mine, Dermot O'Flaherty, one of the the key beekeepers in Westport, and we just got chatting, and we're talking about, in particular, the very good weather, and the bees are very busy, and his hives are very busy at the moment. But one of the, um, I suppose, unusual things with warm weather is that pollen is the pollen count is very high, and there are actually quite a lot of people, particularly children and teenagers, mm-hmm. that suffer from hay fever at this time of year. So I thought I begged him to give me some pots of honey. Ooh, look at that. So these are, this is a jar of pure Irish uh, Westport honey. Yeah, give us a look at it. I brought you a spoon <gasps> so you can you have a taste. You brought me a spoon even. brought you a spoon oh, as well. And I, well, I have waited a, and not to have breakfast this Have a morning. taste of that. Now that's pure so Irish. So wild Irish honey. It's uh, produced in Westport. It's produced from the, of course, the, the native flowers um, that we have here in the west of Ireland from fuchsia, from gorse, from mm. um, garden plants, you know, and there's nothing added to that. There's oh, no sweeteners. Uh, oh my, that's fantastic. Isn't it? There's no ease. I know, I, I, there's no I, added I, sugar. There's I nothing. Love, I love honey, but that is really... Uh, that's pure... That's premium honey, let me tell pure you. Pure honey from mm. the... Um, direct from the hive and, and Dermot has a has quite a number of hives there in Westport and produces excellent honey but the reason I mention it is that mm. uh, pollen causes the production of histamine in, in bodies and that causes histamine is the active ingredient that then causes the tears and the snuffles and people suffer from so it's 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 the natural body's reaction to um, pollen in the air and particularly when we get warm weather as we've got at the moment mm-hmm. with all the plants flowering there's a huge amount of pollen but at this time of year if you take natural honey particularly local honey uh, if you start taking that now your body builds up an immune system to the reaction of pollen around us and particularly local honey this honey in particular because it's harvested in Westport it's taken directly from the natural flowers. So the bees have visited the flowers all last year, mm-hmm. the fuchsia, the gorse, the heathers, all the natural garden plants we have in the west of Ireland and they produce this honey. And within that, honey is made from nectar and from pollen. And if you take that over the next couple of weeks, your body will start, it's like taking the flu jab. Yeah. Your, you, your body starts to build up an immune yeah. system to the pollen, the natural pollen that's around us. So what I advise listeners, particularly if they've got children, if, if they suffer from hay fevers mm. themselves, particularly in the summer period, start taking some of the local, the local Irish honey. Make sure it's local. Something like Boyne Valley is no good to you. You need to get local honey produced in the locality um, because that's the bees take the, the nectar and pollen directly from yeah. from the flowers that are produced. So I thought I'd mention it. I was able to squirrel away a couple of jars from them. So I have about 40 or 50 jars in our store in Turlock today. They're going to go very quickly. They are. That's all I could get Just out of Just on taste alone, I have to say. It's no, beautiful. Whatever it's about health benefits and otherwise, uh, it, it tastes beautiful. It's fantastic, mm. but it, it's particularly good. So I thought I just thought of that um, because I know we've been chatting about the amount of plants that are in flower at the moment a huge amount as grass now comes into flower in mm. particular it produces an awful lot of, of pollen yeah. same with sycamore and all of those trees and so. I know I was uh, commenting in my ignorance last week that the dandelions are very there's a profusion of them at the moment but you were saying that it's they're beneficial to the bees oh he warned me and then actually only yesterday evening I was looking out at a little collection down in my bottom corner and there was bees busy of course yeah, and so I said oh well they'll have to stay now they're a rich form of dandelions in particular mm. a rich form of, of pollen at this time 
time of year for bees. And uh, But there's so many plants in flower at the moment, the bees are very active at the moment. Um, but I thought I'd just mention that. That So look for that. That's Westport um, Pure Irish Honey produced here in the west of Ireland. It contains all the natural ingredients, all the natural pollen, and particularly for listeners that have and suffer from hay fever. Rather than taking antihistamines, yep. take some of natural honey and build up your own, your own immune, immune system. system. So I've got about 40 or 50 jars available in the garden centre in Turlock. They'll be gone by probably this evening. Okay. Uh, so look at so, nip down. So you, so you have been told. So you have been warned. Now you had gardening classes during the week. Uh, well, oh, well, you were taking, you're starting those up shortly, is that? Yeah, yeah. You're, you're confusing me I'm now. Confusing, no, no, we, I'm what we had because you had, had your during, gardening night during the week. We had, we had a great night on Wednesday night. Um, terrific crowd in, and I was talking about cottage garden plants and great interest from people. There are lots and lots of questions. Um, so things that people were asking me about were, mm. were colour in particular, but also things like the millipedes are back. The little black caterpillar that cre- creeps up the wall, he's back at the moment. Lots of people had had him in with them, mm. asking me what it was. So they're the little black millipedes, just they're reacting to the warm weather. They're coming out of the garden onto the pathways and driveways, walking up the walls. So people are getting a bit nervous about the uh, the millipedes in the garden. But they're a natural occurring insect in the garden. There's nothing to worry about. If you've got a very, very heavy infestation, you can look put on something like Protector C or Ant Powder that will control them. But look, they don't do any harm in the garden. They can be a bit creepy crawly, but apart from that, uh, they're a perfectly naturally occurring insect. And when we get warm weather, like we do at this time of year, in the springtime, well, they they actually come out and, and bathe in it and use the heat of the wall at night time to take heat back into their own bodies. And that's why you see them up on walls and, and pathways and so on. And remind us again, are, do millipedes, are, like, are, they, are they serving a function or a purpose of in the garden? Because they, <clears throat> they, they, eat, they eat other things, presumably. They do indeed. They eat um, things like, they're, they're in the kind of family of millipedes, centipedes and wood lice. And they all feed on decaying matter. So they're like the earthworms in the garden. They, mm. They're there to, to eat up all the rubbish that's left behind in the garden, the dead vegetation, and turn it back into organic matter. Occasionally, if they're in a greenhouse, they may attack your seedling plants. But apart from that, they don't do any harm on garden shrubs or trees or roses or anything like that. They're, 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 they're really right. harmless, to be honest. But sometimes people get a bit anxious because they they're cover a bit the walls. Unsightly, shall they I are, say. and particularly yeah. if they're very heavy as, as they have been this year. Um, so that, that was a feature on the night. But we do have gardening classes starting next Tuesday night for the Midwest listeners. I think I mentioned them last week. Mm-hmm. We're about 10 or 11 places still available. So if you want to attend a gardening night class, it's a two-week course. So it's this Tuesday coming and the following Tuesday in Turlock and Castlebar in the Garden Centre at 7 p.m. Uh, it's for beginners and improvers. So if people are thinking of getting back into gardening or want to learn how to do up their hanging baskets or vegetable plants, whatever, then, then that, that's available Tuesday night, the 29th, 7 o'clock. You need to ring this number 09490-31435 or 31436 and book a place. So you, you have to book um, and we have about 10 places left and they are free uh, gardening classes. Right. So so come along to those and that's important. Um, the other thing to mention was the colour and, and the yeah, brush. because you were saying that the the, 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 the the gardening night during the week was one of the queries was that what do we put in for colour at the moment? A lot of people are anxious to get colour back in the garden. I went down to the garden centre last night actually in Turla. I have to say I haven't seen it looking so well. The amount of colour that's there at the moment is absolutely fantastic. Okay, so no excuses and you brought some of it in I this brought morning. some of it in. I, so, I, I was spoiled for choice. So a couple of things I brought in. Yeah. First of all, the dahlias. I brought some early dahlias. These are these double flowering dahlias oh, here. Yeah. They're lovely. That is in lovely. In reds, yes. in pinks, and pinks pur- purples. purple. Yeah, so these are the double flowering dahlias. They've just come into flower. They're early varieties uh, that have been 
kind of brought into flower mm. a bit early. Um, but they're lovely at the moment. These are dwarf varieties. They'll only grow to about a foot in height. They're that at the moment. They're about 18 inches in diameter. And they've got these lovely big double uh, purple, pink, red flowers and yellows at this time of year. So if you wanted a spot of instant colour, they're lovely at the moment. Yeah, if you were looking for kind of a big blousy looking bit of colour, colour that's definitely... For a pot or yeah, a container really, or something really like, pretty. like that. Here's another little plant that I, I haven't actually seen. Yeah, that for, looks very delicate. <clears throat> it's a beautiful plant called Platycodon, but remember it as the balloon plant. So right. it has, it, it's it's... The name it gets. Oh, I see. Right? And yeah. when you squeeze the flower, it actually, well, this one hasn't popped for me, but right. only they pop like a balloon. <laughs> it's okay, it's not television, it's radio. <laughs> so, the, uh, so it's called the balloon flower. It's a beautiful blue flowering plant. The flowers are nearly two inches in diameter. It's lovely for a rockery, shrub board. It's a perennial plant, which mm. means it come back, comes back year after year. Um, so easy to grow, but lovely to give it a bit of early colour at this time of year, and it will flower through the summer period. Um, so think of it as the balloon flower. Very easy to grow. You'll see it in the garden centre at the moment, those kind of sky blue flowers, really large blooms, low growing plant, ideal for a rockery, a slope, a bank, mm. a border or in a container for a bit of colour. Uh, and the flower <coughs> themselves, for people who might be not familiar with the plant, uh, they're very big. They're, they're you know, when they do, they mightn't look much uh, unopened, but when they open up, they're really kind of staring up at the sky almost. Yeah, they're, yeah. they're nearly Quite, what, they're three, three inches I yeah, suppose in diameter. Yeah, yeah, Beautiful, easy to grow plant. Um, one I'd recommend and one I haven't seen myself for for, for uh, you know a year or so this is another nice plant called the Sinetii which you know yourself mm -hmm. just coming into flower now and it's offering a nice bit of colour so again for pots and containers plants like the Ibris this is um, Ibris which comes into flower at this time of year you'll see it in flower in a lot of gardens at the moment it's pure white that kind of purcell white colour lovely for rockery slopes borders it's a perennial plant the common name for it is candy tuft so it's white candy tuft right. and uh, lovely if you want it's just a splash of colour in rockeries, borders, beds, where you want perennial colour. And does it just come in white or does it, are there this, other options? There, there, well, there are other options in this. It really is an alpine, right. a rockery plant. And what I would plant with is plants like the Platycodon, the balloon plant, mm. or Campanula or Brescia or Saxifragias or Phlox. If you wanted that kind of carpet effect, say on a rockery, dry stone wall. I was talking about this actually on Wednesday night and showing people pictures of it. And where you, where you have it grown, say, on a raised bed, it'll actually trail down oh, over the lovely. edge of it and give a lot of colour. And a very, very simple plant to grow and very easy to grow. The other plant I need to mention yes. is um, Everlasting Sweet Pea. <gasps> Absolutely. Because we, we talked about that on the programme last week we and did. I think uh, you, it, you were, it was a victim of its own success, <laughs> it shall was. we say. I must have been waxing lyrically <laughs> about it because by, by six o'clock on, on Saturday evening all the plants were gone. So people that came in on Sunday and Monday were a bit oh, disappointed. Okay. okay, so mm. the good news is I have the plants back in. So that's the Everlasting Sweet Pea. I think the variety I mentioned last week was the pink one called Pink Pearl, mm -hmm. which is a lovely variety. And for, for listeners that may have missed it last week, Everlasting Sweet Pea is a variety sweet pea that you plant once so it's perennial it, it grows it flowers during the summer it'll grow seven or eight feet in the one year mm -hmm. it produces lovely cut flowers um, but the important thing is that once you plant it you've got it then year after year so that's back into the stores uh, in, in Castlebar again today uh, in the pink pearl variety but I've also got my hands on a nice white one called white pearl it's a pure white purcell white uh, sweet, sweet pea, pea which is nice as well and lovely as a cut flower as well so just to let people to apologise for running out of them <laughs> in the first instance but secondly to say to people they're back in uh, in the 
stores. It just moment. goes to show you the popularity of the traditional flowers again. You know, they, and that's what I found so in, back in vogue altogether. And that's what I was talking yeah. about Wednesday night. The you know plants like lupins, delphiniums, foxgloves, hollyhocks, lavender that are brought in here today. Um, all the rockery plants. People are, are really going back to those because they want something, I suppose, that's going to be there year after year yeah. and give a lot of colour. And some of the key points I was making is that to, you know going into a garden centre at this time of year, we tend to get excited by all the plants that are in flower. But do remember that June has to come yet in July and August and September. When we so, really associate with colour. Yeah, and so when you're when you're purchasing plants, make sure that you're planting plants that have colour now, of course, but that others that will come later on in, yes. in midsummer and, and late summer. So plan for the different seasons rather than just the springtime because you don't want the garden just looking good at this time of year. You want to plan for colour later on. So that was one of the key points I was making. The second thing I was saying, when you're purchasing plants, cottage garden plants and rockery plants, plant them in groups of threes or fives. They'll look a whole lot better than just putting them in a single numbers. Or if you need to put in, say, 20 plants, then put in maybe seven varieties, but three of each right. to give that kind of nice clumped cool. effect. Super planting weather. It really is good. I'm glad to see the rain. I thought I'd never say it, but the rain has actually been very right. beneficial. Yeah, because um, things, things are a bit little, still a little bit on the slow side, I think. Are they, they are. Growth is still, it's still quite cool at night time. And yeah. so growth is, whilst things are flowering brilliantly, growth is still kind of slow to come on. And we do need the rainfall. Anybody that has planted plants in the last couple of weeks or fed their plants or fed their lawns, um, the fertiliser isn't working till we get the moisture. Right. And the sort of rain we've got in the last few days has been very beneficial. It has saved me oh, a couple good. of jobs anyway. Yeah. You know, that's, so. yeah, that's, that's, I think you might have asked, answered a question that was in my head yesterday as well. Okay. Yeah, because I noticed that uh, I had fed the old laurels, but there's still, there's still yellow leaves coming on them and I guess it's because it probably hasn't gone down. The fertiliser hasn't gone yeah, down and, yeah. and the fertiliser won't work till yeah. it reaches the, the smaller white yeah. roots underneath. So we do need that rainfall uh, to, to wash the fertiliser in but also to encourage some new growth Good, as yeah. well because things were beginning to dry out. Um, okay. So that's... And the, the lavender is the other <coughs> plant that you have brought in yeah. this morning. I know we kind of touched on the other. And this so is a lovely... It's, it's a personal favourite of mine, so... And it's a really good plant. It's a it's a variety called Giant Summer. It's a particularly nice variety with very big flowers. Mm, very big. Yeah, quite nice and quite a good colour, nice lavender um, shade of colour. And how is that on scent now? Very good. The foliage mm. is scented um, and the flower is scented. It's a um, very easy plant to grow. It's just coming into flower now. So there's, what, there's about six or eight yeah. blooms just starting on that now. So again, if you want a bit of colour say for a container or in a sunny location lavender does need sun and it does need a free draining soil right. so when you're planting it in the garden make sure you put in plenty of gravel or peat impoverish the soil if anything lavender does better on that a sandier right. grittier type soil it dislikes a heavy fertile soil it'll just rot away right. so it needs the sun and it needs a an impoverished soil just in, just add plenty of gravel or grit into the soil when you're planting it but a great time to plant them and that plant will stay in flower that particular variety giant summer will stay in flower from now till September October of this year. So you so It's a really nice plant. It is, I have to say. And the, the flowers are very big. They're much uh, bigger than the traditional, um, I suppose, what you would associate as being the traditional lavender. Yeah, another common question on Wednesday was the leather jackets. People yes. seem to have a lot of leather jackets this year. Um, a, lot, a lot of questions around leather jackets in tunnels and in, in, uh, where they're planting vegetable plants. So leather jacket is the small uh, larvae of the crane fly. It's a small rubbery type of worm that attacks lawns. So if you've got yellowing in your lawns or yellowing around plants, it could be leather jacket damage. They're quite easy to distinguish if you throw a bit of sudsy water onto the ground, they'll come to the surface or leave a bit of plastic over the area overnight that come up to the underneath the base of the, the plastic and you'll see them. They're quite visible. If you've got them, you can use a treatment called trigger 
which which eliminates leather jackets in the soil. So it's a treatment, you mix it with water, yeah. you apply it to the affected area and that'll see yeah, them off. Get rid of them. Yeah, so okay. they were quite common. It seemed to be an issue for, for people, people, for quite a number of people, again, on Wednesday night. So do remember the, the gardening night classes. So that's Tuesday night, uh, this Tuesday night and the following Tuesday night. It's a free gig. Just come, come just ring the number 0949031435 or 36. Okay, just bo- we'll book, book in advance that's because the thing. you need to Elimin- know about numbers. Yeah, we yeah. do. Okay, great. Um, we're going to take a quick break. So we've had a good few questions coming in from earlier, Porrick. So we'll take a look at uh, some of those. And if you do have something that you want to throw at us this morning on the programme, it's very simply 087 900 4141 is our text. And phone is 0818 3055. You're very welcome back. It's 23 minutes past nine and we're going to turn our attention to uh, questions, Porik. Lots of them in. Um, we're going to start off with uh, a topic not dissimilar to what we've been talking about. A listener has a sunny sloping bank of soil that they would like to have low growing plants that gives lots of flowers during the year. They're wondering, would rockery plants suit or are bedding plants better to use? Well, with the bedding plants, you, you get a bit of instant colour and you could actually do a little bit of both. It would be quite a good idea. Rockery plants are or, or the type of plants, I suppose I mentioned, the ibris, that the uh, these ibris snowflake would be quite a nice one, or obritia, which is in flower at the moment, companionate. There's lots of them available in garden centres at the moment. So go into your local garden centre, ask to see the collection of rockery-type plants. So they typically are low-growing, they're typically very hardy, they're perennial in nature, which means they come back year after year. And as this slope is sunny, they'd actually be ideal. Lovely plant called mimulus, the musk flower or monkey flower, which is a really good one for covering large large slope. So if you've got a big area, look for the perennial mimulus. Okay. Very, very easy to grow. It creates carpets of foliage and colour and um, a super plant, really simple to grow. Um, Campanula would be nice as well, saxifragia, perennial phlox. I was showing the the listeners on Wednesday night the the phlox in a rockery, really good plant just coming into flower at the moment and very, very low growing. It's not the tall phlox that people will know. This is a ground covering variety called moss phlox. So as the name suggests, it grows across the ground in blues and pinks and reds and those sort of colours. So those sort of rockery plants are available. Now, generally with rockery plants, you're going to be spacing them a foot or 15 inches apart. So for the first year, there's going to be a little bit of a gap there whilst those plants are filling in. And always plant them in groups of threes or fives or seven of the one type to get that carpet effect. Um, And in between that, for the summer, the listener could add some annuals. So some summer pansies, some violas, they're all available at this time of year. Um, You know, blue lobelia, those sort of plants, just as fillers Mm -hmm. to give a bit extra colour on the slope for this summer. And then by the by the latter part of the summer, early autumn, the rockery plants that you put in will actually have closed in and started to fill up the area. Helianthemum, the sun rose, is another great plant for a rockery or a slope. Right. Um, flowers during the summer period, so it comes into flower in late May and flowers through the summer. Um, Dianthus, the carnation families, they are quite good as well. So there's plenty of really there. good, and look for those perennial rockery plants, perfect on slopes, banks, borders, rockeries, those sort of areas, dry stone walls, where you want something to cascade down. Brilliant and a great time to plant them. Now, good morning to Karen. Karen has noticed, uh, similar to myself, that the laurel hedge has dead leaves and little round holes in the leaves. Okay. Was to- she was told that it's hungry, but why are the leaves dead? Well, remember that laurels and plants in general uh, have had a fairly tough winter. We often forget we get back into a bit of good weather. There's been a tough old winter, a lot of rain this Laws, year. Yeah. The holes in the leaves are, are a, a problem 
it's not a disease. It's often called a disease, but it's not. It's a thing called shot hole fungus or shot hole. And really it's down to the way the plants are growing. If the plants are under stress, if they're hungry, mm. if they're not growing well, you get this. It's like, the, as the name suggests, it's like peppering the leaves with a shotgun and you get these holes right through the leaves. Mm. And that's a real indication the plant is hungry, it needs feeding, it's not growing as it should. So the listener is dead right. Put on some fertilizer now, the Osmo Pro 6 or a good tree and shrub fertilizer at the base of the plant. The growth has been very slow. So laurels have only really broken bud. The, there's only an inch or two of yeah. growth. Um, and that's really just down to the weather conditions and as as things warm up as we get into warmer weather you're going to see the growth as long as you've fed the plants right. so get out there and put on a dress of fertility and plants in general and again it was a theme Wednesday night that you know plants evergreen shrubs like forest flame is very yellow at the moment camellias are very yellow at the moment uh, rhododendrons any of the evergreen plants that have retained their leaves since last year are hungry right. looking because yeah. they are hungry <laughs> yeah. because the rainfall we've had in January and February has washed an awful lot of the nutrition out of the soil. So plants are hungry and and that's just the nature uh, of the year that we've had. So get out there and feed them and and once we get that warm weather with the rain we're having, growth will start to come very, very quickly. And then we'll be saying things are growing too fast. Well that's it because (laughs) it's amazing how, you know, within two or three weeks how plants actually respond Mm. if if they're fed and if you get the growing conditions right, it just... You know, okay. they just accelerate. So feed and a little bit of patience. That's all. That's all hopefully all will all be well. Necessary, yeah. Now, good morning. Uh, somebody has a rhododendron in a small pot. They've had it for a few years. They're wondering, should they replant it now? Yes, either replant it back into a larger pot and use ericaceous compost or plant it out into um, a shrub border. But remember that rhododendrons require lime-free conditions, so you need to add plenty of ericaceous compost. And lime, and there's a speci- specific feed for rhododendrons and camellias and the, and the forest flame, an ericaceous fertiliser, a slow-release fertiliser that you can apply now. So if the listener is planting it out in the garden, get a couple of handfuls of the slow-release ericaceous food, mix it through ericaceous compost and plant it into the into the uh, new shrub bed or else move it into a bigger pot and use, use exactly the same uh, slow-release fertiliser and compost. But a good time to, to repot right. it, yeah. Now, Anne has a problem with roses. Her rose petals are curling up like ferns. The rose leaves, probably. The petals won't the, be on right, them just no, yet. Right, yes, it must be the leaves. Well, the, if the leaves are, are curling, there's this two things that come to my mind. First of all, uh, roses suffer from viruses, various viruses that are spread by aphids. And it's one of the reasons of keeping green fly and black fly and aphids off roses in the first place, that they, whilst they're visiting your rose, they're actually carrying viruses from other roses in neighbouring gardens. So they're actually one of, they're a carrier of diseases, uh, green fly. So it's one of the reasons, not just that they look unsightly Mm. and they're sucking the protein out of your roses, but they also can inject viruses. The other one that comes to mind is, um, and if you've got virus in, in the roses, you're better to replace them because it's, it goes into the system, it's, it, it likes a virus in the body. And it's going to spread to everything else. Correct. Well, it'll well, spread the to, the roses, rose, yeah. to the rose. Mm. Um, the other, the other uh, item that may cause curling of, of um, rose leaves is if you're using weed killers, particularly lawn weed killers, close by a rose bed. So if you were out spraying your dandelions and daisies, mm-hmm. then if any of that spray gets onto the, any shrubs or any roses in particular, you get this distorting of the leaves. Right. It's it's reacting to the hormone. Uh, lawn weed killers are based on a hormone treatment. So what they do, they cause the, the, the weeds in the lawn to actually outburst their cells and outgrow and they become twisted. The weeds often become twisted and contorted. And the same thing, thing can happen to rose leaves. So if the listener was actually using any lawn treatments around right. the area, that could cause thing. But I'm guessing it's a virus problem and right. I would be looking to change 
those roses? Yeah. Okay. Uh, now, somebody has ridges ready for planting, potatoes Great. and vegetable plants with the nights being very cold. They're wondering, is it okay to plant or should they hold off for a couple of weeks? Oh, ah, no, no, no. Potatoes should be in the ground anytime, up up until the ash covers its its uh, its its branches and leaves. So right. while, when you can still three, look through the ash tree, you can still, still plant pet- potatoes. Oh, I never That's knew that. That's the old, old oh. uh, <clears throat> saying. So... You can plant potatoes right up until the end of May, effectively, mm-hmm. mid mid to late May. But really, you, you know, get them into the ground now. The fact that you're putting them down six or eight inches into the ground, cold nights won't affect them. And they need to be going into the soil at this time of year. So all the early varieties, our main crop varieties, get them into the garden now. Uh, vegetable plants are all, you know, the majority of them are frost hardy. So things like cabbage, lettuce, broccoli, uh, radishes, all of those are totally frost hardy. They won't mind the cold weather. So get them out. And the other thing you can be doing in the raised bed is planting some seed. So carrot seed, parsnip seed, swades, all of those should be sown from seed at this time of the year. So if the raised bed is ready, get out and start to planting because the garden centres are full oh, of vegetable plants nice. and they're all frost hardy. You can put them straight That's out, right. no problem. Do keep an eye on the slugs with this bit of wet weather. They're going to be active now um, and sow some seed as well. Get, get out there with your packets of seed and start sowing. Okay. They'll germinate in two weeks, okay. the seed. So if the ridges are ready, well, let's, the ridges get, are ready, let's get, get stuff get, in there. Get in there. Don't worry about it. Even if there's a bit of frost in the next couple of nights, that won't set back any yeah. of your vegetable plants. Don't be waiting for the weeds yeah, to Yeah, it's only the more tender, tender um, like things like, you know, tomatoes, cucumbers, melons, that you need to protect and give some uh, protection to. But, but most of the general vegetable plants, they're perfectly hardy to go out now. Now, I know we, we talked about lavender there just uh, before the break uh, with that lovely plant that you brought in. Um, a listener has would like to put in a scented lavender hedge pork, okay. something low-growing, which and they're wondering which variety is best and how far apart to plant, and also f- what food to use when planting. Well, remember what, what I said about lavender. It needs a sunny location, first of all. It needs an impoverished soil. And what I mean by that is that you add plenty of gravel, grit, pea gravel, into the soil along that the trench where you're going to plant the lavender. So get those two things right. When you're planting them, you can add certainly a bit of compost and and to that you could add a little bit of sudden impact fertilizer, which is high in potash. So you can make that mix up, add it into the planting hole and then put your, your lavender rain. Really, there's some great varieties. That one that I had there, Giant Summer, is a yes. lovely variety. Uh, lavender pink flowers, nice scented foliage. There's another good one called Hid Coat, which is the old English mar- uh, lavender. Really deep blue flowers. Very, very easy to grow as well. Um, Munstead is another really good variety. Again, go to your, your local garden centre. La- yeah. There'll be plenty of lavender plants available and a really great time to plant them. The key thing with lavender is to make sure that you keep it well trimmed. And normally the trimming of lavender should be done in late March, early April, that time of year. Leave it alone over the winter and then prune it back in early spring. Feed it at this time of year and you'll have a lovely lovely colour of lavender then right through the summer. I mean, it flowers for nearly six, seven months of the year and a great plant for bees as well. Yes. Yes, so, and it, and I, I always it's think it's, yeah, it's, it's a beautiful plant, and it's low. Now, when we when we say a hedge, it's, it'll only grow. Yeah, two it's feet. a very low hedge. It is yeah. absolutely. It's so, a bit of cover, really. Yeah, so yeah. remember that. It's, it's, <laughs> We're not talking about <clears throat> keeping the neighbours out. It gives no shelter. Yeah. It gives no privacy. It gives you know. It's a low-growing hedge. So if you want a nice low little hedge, scent it, uh, maybe up up the a pathway or driveway or around around a rose bed or somewhere like that. Lavender is great for that. Oh, uh, we do we need to feed it then? The lavender. It doesn't need not an really. awful lot of feeding. Yeah, no, and. 
saying that it likes the gritty soil. It and likes all that. to be. It likes to yeah. be actually starved. Right. And, and a bit, the so bit hungry it. it is, and the bit more impoverished it, it is, better. the better it actually does. Yeah. And I suppose when you think about it in terms of maybe more natural habitats like the south of France, exactly, uh, where it's very hot, hot and it's quite dusty, dry, yeah, and and it thrives there. Sandy type soil. Yeah. It loves that type of environment. So it thrives on neglect. <laughs> It's sounds, one of those sounds plants. like a dirty Kelly plant. <laughs> great, great in a pot, super in a pot yeah. because of those reasons. People tell it to forget to water it, and you know, and it, it does well as a yeah. result. Um, now I know we talked about the uh, annual sweet pea, which was such a hit last. The perennial last, sweet the, pea, the, the perennial, which yeah. is the same as the annual. No, no. ah. Perennial, I would have thought have annual you and now, perennial. You. you do, fully, I have to say. I would have thought annual and perennial were the same thing, that they came back every year. That no. means I need to take out my dictionary then. See? Yeah, tell an me annual, more. An annual is is annual, it's one year. So uh, oh, any, any, so they only last for one year. Yeah, any annual plant, you sow it from seed, it grows, it flowers, it produces its own seed and it dies at the end of the year. So an annual is a plant that lives for one year. Perennial means it comes year after year okay. after year. D minus on. on the English <laughs> for this morning. Oh my goodness, I'm, I'm embarrassed now. But anyway, so, what was well, the no, question? Yeah, I always get confused with that. Um, the question is: Would an annual sweet pea? I wonder, do they mean perennial then? Uh, grow up through a white thorn. Well, there is annual sweet pea, which mm. is sweet pea that grows for, for one, one year. year, and that will grow six feet, seven feet this year. So the answer is, it would grow through a white thorn hedge, but. I would plant the, the perennial, perennial one. Maybe that's where I'm getting confused. Yeah. With my so and it would it would actually be super through it. And I think I've said that last week that the perennial sweet pea is suitable for obviously amongst other climbers are up against a trellis or an arch or whatever. But it's also great to plant at the base of white thorn or a, a shrub that you've in the garden that you want to cover up. Something that will give it a bit of structure and support mm. and it'll scramble up. And the perennial sweet pea will be well able to compete with the white thorn. It actually be a great mixture. So go, you're dead right. Go with the perennial. perennial. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Words might be wrong, but the sentiment was right. Um, I'm going to move on very quickly before I really embarrass myself. Uh, good morning to the listener who treated their lawn four weeks ago um, uh, with the pellets first and after five days they put on the moss killer. Okay. Um, they've repeated the dose again last week. Now oh. they're left with several brown patches. Okay, well there, there was no need to repeat the dose right. a second time. Right, so the, so the, the normal treatment for the moss control is to put on the lime pellets first five to seven days a week later or 10 days, it doesn't matter really, put on the Osmo moss remover. And that's all you need to do. It takes two to three weeks uh, to work. I was actually asking people Wednesday night how they got on with it. And uh, anybody that's put on a month ago have had great results to it. Um, So you don't need to. The the fertiliser that's in the Osmo feeds the lawn slowly. So the greening takes normally two to three weeks to work. It takes two or three weeks to uh, kill the moss as well. But one application is sufficient. Now, at the end of May or early June, you could go back on the lawn and give it a little dressing of uh, park and fairway just to, to keep it the green topped up, as mm-hmm. it were. But there's no need to, to feed it a, a week later. And overfeeding causes scorching will cause burning of the grass. The grass just won't be able to co- to handle a second application. So you, you, that's that's the reason that you're getting brown patches. Now, you can simply just reseed those. Get a little bit of patch magic. comes in a canister. It's got the compost seed and fertilizer all to get together. Just shake it into the area. Actually, this weather with a bit of rain is ideal to put the patch magic on. And that patch will be repaired in about two weeks or three weeks. Right. So okay. just, just repatch those areas. Okay, we're going to take a quick break. Uh, Time is clipping along at a pace. Uh, We still have lots more to come too, so stay with us. 
I, I'm laughing um, um, because the, half the jar of honey is nearly gone already and it's on the far it's, side of the studio board. It's absolutely delicious, I have to say. Uh, I have. I, I'm Wonderful. noticing that you're spooning oh, it in there lovely. on occasion. Actually, there's a few questions. Can we just go back to that honey for a minute? Um, because there's people wondering, is it available in Westport? Where can you get it? Um, so Well, it's available. I... Typical of beekeepers, trying to get a few jars off Dermot yesterday was, was uh, like pulling teeth. But I, I secured about 40 or 50. So right. they're definitely in our store in Turlock and Castlebar. Um, and if we run out of it, I'll get more from them. I'll coax them to give me more. But uh, I'm not. I'm sure it's available in, if you ask, it's, it's Westport. What's on the jar here? It's pure Irish honey. So it's Westport honey. Uh, look for that. And uh, produced in Westport. His name is actually on it. D.O. Flaherty. Yeah. So he's, he's so look for that name on, on the jar. But I have it in the store in Turlock, definitely. Um, and if we do run out of it, we'll get more for people. Okay. Um, but it's absolutely delicious. Great stuff. Okay, we're back to some of the questions. Um, sorry, now I'm just scrolling back here so I don't lose my spot. Um, a listener was looking for a small tree to give us a wedi- wedding present in May. I think they're at such a lovely pre- wedding present to give a tree or a plant like that that people will see, you know, for many years to come. Um, what would be a good suggestion for May? What about the wedding cake tree? <laughs> <laughs> Well, it is coming answer? out. <laughs> it is coming out in flower at the moment. Do you know it? I, my, mo- my mother has one. All right. I didn't know what it was for years until we were talking about it, I think, last year on the programme. And then I went home and I said, that's the wedding gig tree. It's I a have. beautiful tree. It's, it's, yeah, it's a plant yeah, called... It's, it's, it's there. It must be there 30 years. Um, it's uh, The one she has is quite... It's quite Bushy. Yeah. Well, yeah. the 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 um, so the, the plant is a plant called Cornus controversia variegata is the one to go for, and that's it's commonly called the wedding cake tree because the branches grow out horizontal, yeah. so you get this wedding cake effect. Beautiful tree, variegated foliage, so the leaves are green and white. Produces a white flower at this time of year. The stems are red, and in autumn it goes a beautiful scarlet red color. So that's called the wedding cake tree. And as a, it'll grow about, I suppose, 12, 15 feet in height. And you get this perfect layering. So there's about a, maybe a foot between the next branch and then this layer of branches, another foot, a layer of branches. Beautiful tree. And actually we, well, we, my mother uses hers for um, feeding the small birds in the winter. Because you know the way the big oh, birds... Oh, perfect. Uh, if you have the big birds and the small birds, the big birds can find away the small birds. Yeah. But the small birds get in among the little branches. And so she puts the nuts inside near the, the, the stem of the tree. And there's probably enough of a gap to even hang a feeder. There, oh, there are, yeah. yeah, actually, yeah, there yeah. Must, I think there's about four feeders on that one in our house there you go. and uh, it's great because you can look out and see them all all the activity there then when yeah they, in the in the well, winter time well that's a lovely plant that's the wedding cake tree and that's that's its official name and it's very very easy to grow it's got foliage color flowers it's got really good autumn color and even in winter because of the stru- ar- architectural mm, structure yes. of the branches it looks really really well so that's there's one there's one okay great um, is it possible to grow black walnut in this country or wormwood it is indeed um, black walnut actually brings me back to my days in the botanic gardens there was a super uh, that's Juglans nigra or black black walnut um, produces walnuts as an old as a mature tree and the one right. in the botanic gardens was probably there at least 100 years and, and used to produce walnuts probably every couple of years oh do they not produce them every year no no it'll just depend on uh, like generally speaking they come from a warmer 
climate. Right. And uh, depends on how, what a good it depends year. on the weather and it right. depends on the maturity of the tree. Yeah. Very, very slow growing tree. Um, you need plenty of space for it. I mean, from my memories, it was at least 50 feet in height. Right. Big tree, more a parkland tree than a garden, garden tree, tree, really. You need lots of space for it. But yes, it'll tolerate the conditions. Um, and you know, wormwood? Wormwood is Artemisia. It's um, used for its, its medicinal properties. It's more a herb, really, than, than anything else. Artemisia. A bit like the lavender, it's the sort of plant that, again, it comes from the Mediterranean regions. It does need free-draining soil. It needs a bright, sunny location. Um, and it's got a kind of very... Uh, it's like lavender. The foliage is very scented. Hmm. So, yes, it's Artemisia is, is wormwood. That can be grown in a sunny, bright location or often in a pot it grows really well. Now, um... A listener is wondering, is it too late to plant white thorn? And if it is, what's the best time of the year to plant? Now, this person <coughs> has a rough area of land. It's bog that was turned years ago and it has rushes. Okay, well, my advice really in an area like that is to plant your white thorn in the winter time. Right. And the reason is you've got the whole winter for the plants to root develop before they come into growth. White thorn is in, has come, is break, breaking leaf and breaking bud at the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would leave the planting until. The, this coming November. Plant them then. They're be, they come bare rooted. They're very, very cheap to buy. And at least you've got the winter period for that plant to initiate new roots because it's obviously not going to be getting a whole lot of um, watering and, and looking after where it's going. So plant it in the autumn, early winter. It's got the winter then to settle in and it'll be ready to go then come the spring of next year. Now, I know we've touched on laurels already, but there's a number of questions in today about laurels. Firstly, a listener got Portuguese laurel three years ago okay. from you, as it happens. Okay. It has formed a beautiful dense hedge is okay. the good news that 84 plants they're wondering what should they feed them with well feed them remember that Portuguese laurel is slower growing than our than the than the common laurel um, so you feed it with the Osmo Pro 6 fertilizer it's a tree and shrub feed about two handfuls per plant 84 plants you need two bags will mm-hmm. cover it put it on now that'll that'll uh, wash in with the, with the rain and really bring it on and that's all it needs a light trimming back at this time of year would be good as well really nice hedge though and it's a, a fairly it's a fairly easy to manage hedge in that it, it's not too vigorous, too vigorous it only yeah. puts on about a foot of growth per year um, then also a listener has a laurel hedge and they think that something might be eating the leaves yeah. what, what might that be? Well that can be well first of all just check that it's not just the shot, shot hole, hole fungus that I mentioned and, the, and shot hole it tends to have holes right through the leaves um, more it's ra- quite circular. distinctive because they very are very distinctive, distinctive. Yeah, yeah it does look like someone has literally shot through the hole yeah the, the other pest that uh, can feed on laurels at this time of year is vine weevil which is a um, a small beetle that feeds at night time mm. and it eats U-shaped notches out of the side of the leaves so it's kind of a munching around the edge of the leaves very distinctive rhododendrons camellias suffer from that as well mm. um, and use something like bug clear we'll get rid of that so usually in the evening time now but generally you know unless the laurels are being savaged. absolutely savaged <laughs> yeah, don't bother because it's such a vigorous plant a little bit of It'll bounce back uh, it will of course so give it its feed and, and encourage it on and, and unless it's very very uh, marked then don't bother spraying it would be my advice to you on us Okay. Uh, somebody has a sunny windowsill shelf in their conservatory. It's very bright and warm and they're wondering would it be okay to grow tomatoes or fruiting plant plants on it? It sounds perfect, but make sure you put in the smaller... Uh, you don't... T- traditionally, tomatoes will grow five, six feet in height. You're, they're better in a greenhouse or a tunnel or in a sunny part of the garden. Uh, if you're growing them on a windowsill, uh, the sunny location is perfect, but go for the shorter variety. So there's a great variety called Totem which only grows two feet in height. Mm-hmm. So plant it up in maybe a 12-inch pot 
good quality compost um, and it'll grow two feet in height and so it's very manageable on a windowsill. The other thing to grow are things like aubergines would be lovely. Oh yum. Yeah, they're, and they're very easy to grow. Um, peppers, both the chilli pepper and the sweet pepper would be super to put on a, on a windowsill. So stick to the chilies, the peppers, the aubergines and that variety of tomato called totem. Um, and they're all available in garden centres at the moment. Now we're going to stay with tomatoes for just a moment because somebody else has a question regarding which is best to grow tomatoes are in bags or in pots and what types grow best? Right, well, well uh, grow bags are, I suppose, the old traditional way of growing tomatoes. But the problem with them is that they dry out, not so much at this time of year, but as the plants start fruiting and forming. Um, so my advice really is to grow them. The way I grow them is in, in tubs. Get yourself some good size plastic tubs mm-hmm. with good drainage. Fill them up with a good quality compost. Add a bit of slow-release fertiliser to that. Leave about four inches of the compost down from the lip of the pot so that when you're watering you can put in a good gallon of water um, so you know don't have the compost right up to the top of the pot so leave that little well for the water and grow them in containers now the other thing you can do if you've got grow bags is actually to cut them in two stand them up on the edge so you're making a pot out of the grow bag as it were and put your plants into that because otherwise you'll find them drying out too quickly okay. good varieties to plant now if you want the tall varieties uh, Sweet 100 is a beautiful sweet variety Gardener's Delight Alicante, Shirley, Moneymaker, they're all Gold. good uh, producing varieties, really, really good. For hanging basket and window box, go for tumbler. Okay. It's one that just spills out of the pot. Um, a shelter, shelter palm trees, they've been planted a month ago. They're going brown, says John. That doesn't sound good, John. Uh, if they're going brown, they're obviously, you know, they're... All of them? Well, if all of them are going brown, yeah, I'd be worried about them. They're, uh, you know, they may have been bare rooted, they may have got dried up. Um, I mean, really, all you just got to do is wait and see. Don't go feeding them. Don't, you know, we've got the rain now. Mm. So really, it's just kind of wait and see and see how they, but browning on conifers is not a good sign. Right. If it's an odd speckle here and there, that's fine. Right. If the rest of the, you know, if 90% of the plant is looking well, but if, if 60 or 70% of it has gone brown, then they're on the way out, unfortunately. Okay, sorry to be the bearer of that yeah, news, well, hopefully not. You know, yeah. Yeah. And maybe I'll bring a piece of them into this garden centre and we'll have a look have at it for them. Right, just to say, have yeah, an idea yeah, then. Yeah, right. yeah. But don't go feeding them young plants like that. You know, there's no point feeding them now. Just let them settle in, let them get established, feeding them kind of next year, really, next spring. Okay. How often do you trim boxes and ivy? Well, boxwood can be is, is extremely slow growing, so it's only putting on inches of growth a year. One trimming a year is sufficient, and you can do it at this time of year. So give them a nice trimming back. Remember what boxwood, what I said last week, is to put on some of that box treatment, because boxwood is suffering from this box blight, which is a yellowing of the foliage. And you'll find with the box treatment, it's also got a feed in it. You simply mix it in the washing can and water it on. So I would give them a light trimming now, put on some of the box um, treatment, and they're good to go. What was the other plant? Ivy. Uh, ivy. Ivy, again, well, l- make sure that the, uh, I, I see in my own uh, ivy in the house, the birds are beginning to nest in it. Right. So don't go near it if the birds are nesting, but if, they, if they're if they're not, if there are no birds nesting in the ivy, take out the hedge clippers now and trim the hell out of it. Give it a good hard trimming back. With that, I'd give it a bit of feed and within two or three weeks, it'll have a lovely flush of fresh growth coming back on the ivy again. 
Now, a listener's garden is infested with the dreaded bishop weed. Right. It's growing up through hostas and flocks now. Mm, Last ouch. year, they weren't in a position to attend to it, uh, but are back in action now. And, of course, things are pretty bad by the yeah, sounds of things. Bishop weed. Well, it's... it's um, bishop weed, first of all, is a perennial weed. Um, it, it spreads by underground stems. It'll grow up through shrubs or hostas or whatever. Um, where it's growing through plants, you need to get yourself some of the Roundup gel a little gel. Uh, so it's a, it's a particular product for, for which you can dab onto the foliage of the bishop weed. So um, all you do is you get a little canister of, of look for that gel in your local garden centre. It's like hair gel. Mm-hmm. You just dab it onto the foliage of the bishop weed and that will bring the treatment down into the root and kill the plant off. Put on a rubber glove when you're using it and literally just clasp the leaf, give it a wipe mm-hmm. of the Roundup gel and that'll control it. Now, a listener took your advice and cut back the roses three weeks ago. They're great. doing great, lots of new shoots. Great, super. So what shall they feed them with um, and what should they spray on them to keep them bug-free? Well, it's the time of year to be to be looking after the roses now. The, it's good to see the pruning has been done. Really, it's a matter of putting on some high potash feed, so sudden impact would be ideal to get on now. Two handfuls for each rose and start using the the Rose Rescue or Rose Clear now um, more of as a preventative measure now you need a dry day to apply it so you know maybe tomorrow morning or this evening put an application of, of it on and about every two weeks put a light application of the um, Rose Rescue on and that'll keep it in tip top condition feed the rose about once a month right through the growing season so the, you know continue to feed them if you continue to feed them obviously they're going to continue to produce plenty of flowers and um, they should be starting to bloom about the middle of June hopefully Fantastic Daffodil stems, should they be cut down now? They, what you do with daffodils at this time of year is you remove the seed heads only. Don't cut the foliage back or you'll have no flowers yes, next year. Now the reason for cutting the seed back, the function of any plant is to produce seed. So daffodils are like no other. They're producing their, their seeds at the moment. Um, and um, they're producing the seed at the moment. So to, if you stop that, by take out the hedge clippers, just trim off the old seed heads Give them a feed. They'll actually die back quicker by doing that. So just take off the old seed heads with a shears or a trimmers. Give them a couple of feeds, a liquid feed like one or Miracle Grow, and um, let them die back naturally. That's all you've got to do. Um, Now, let me just see. Uh, Would the sweet pea that we talked about, um, is it okay to set beside Lalandii um, where it's failed for a while since the bad frost a few years ago? Oh, yeah, you could do that, yeah. It'll use the leyland for support. Like the the perennial sweet pea has little tendrils like ordinary sweet pea and it'll clasp onto anything, whitethorn, conifer, anything at all that it can clasp onto as long as there's enough light getting in and when you're planting it, put in plenty of compost to plant it because remember the plant is only about a foot high when you purchase it but it's going to grow to six or seven feet this year alone so do prepare the soil well put in some organic matter or compost give it a couple of liquid feeds as well to get it going and it'll scramble up through that little idea okay and it'll grow every year up through it now something is cutting the stem of a tomato plant at soil level okay um, now they brought far more yard and you were thinking they would have no problems would there be anything there that might there have could be I mean there are d- uh, different soil pests like cut worms like mm-hmm. leather jackets that I mentioned um, chafter grubs that feed they're in the soil and they feed on the stems of plants get yourself a, uh, some of the nematodes that I mentioned before the, the nematodes so get yourself a packet of them mm. mix it up water, uh, pour it around the base of the tomato plant and that'll control any any uh, bugs that are at soil level. So the leather jacket, the chafter grub, uh, vine weevil, any of those that might be attacking the tomatoes. Okay. It's a soil-borne Born. grub that's actually eating away, gnawing away at the roots and the stems.
Okay, just one or so two. So nematodes will do that. Nematodes. Uh, okay, uh, one or two more before we finish up. Um, a listener has taken seeds from lupins last autumn. Jerry Turner, good oh, morning good to you. Yeah. And has planted them in seed trays. Great. Some are now coming through. Great. The question is, if, they, if he plants the seedlings out this year, will they flower later this year or will he have to wait until next year for flowers? Unf- it's going to determine where he puts them for the colour scheme. All right, scheme. well, yeah. unfortunately, they won't flower this year. Right. Okay, so now the plants will go perfectly well. They'll make good, strong plants, but you're not going to get any bloom on them this year, Jerry. but this time next year they're going to come into flower and lots of flowers off them. So it's a great way and lots of plants you can actually harvest the seed in the autumn and, and store them over the winter. Okay. But lupins need to be sown this t- year to flower next year so it takes a full year for them to come into bloom. So plant them somewhere else for put something else in there for colour this year, Jerry. Okay. And lettuce plants have got some type of root rot. They're dying fast. Uh, well, again, check a couple of weeks ago in a glass house. Okay, check first of all that there there isn't anything in the soil attacking the roots of uh, lettuce because they will uh, leather jackets will attack them. So check around for that first of all. Um, if there's no visible signs of any grubs, then you you have a root disorder. You may be overwatering the plants. You you don't want to be particularly seedlings and young plants. Don't be giving them too much water. Don't have them too wet, particularly at this with this kind of cooler temperatures. Um, if you're experiencing uh, rotting. That's a fungus disease and you can get a small bit of fungicide, Bordeaux mixture or fungicide to mix in water to apply to the soil that will control any fungal diseases. But do check, first of all, that the roots aren't just being let away. Okay, finally. Uh, and finally, somebody's wondering, uh, at least for now anyway, somebody's wondering, do slug pellets go off? If you bought no. them last year, is no, it okay no, they to should, use they them should this be year? fine. I mean, they're, they are, they're made from bran and as long as they're kept dry yeah. and there is no kind of uh, fungus on them, if they still look nice and healthy and nice and... Hellity, nice them. and dry, yeah, yeah. then no, they're perfectly okay to use this year. Okay. Think about using the organic one. There's one called Slug Go, which is uh, 100% organic. Right. It won't affect pets, bees, or children anything or anything else. You can actually, well, I won't say this, but you, you can eat, eat it. You can actually eat it well, because there's iron, <laughs> there's iron and potash in it. Right. So it's very, very safe to use. So that's one called, it's made by Neardoff, and it's one called Slug Go. It's a pellet, looks exactly the same as the other, but it's very effective in controlling slugs and pests and uh, snails. Okay, are they a big problem at the moment? They are. Okay. Can so. be. Um, so gardening classes on Gardening Tuesday? classes Tuesday. So if you want uh, to book a place, 0949031435. Remember they're free, but you do need to book. Places will be limited. And that's this Tuesday night and the following Tuesday night for beginners and improvers. Okay. And the you know hon- <laughs> I know a few beginners, <laughs> improvers, I'm afraid I haven't graduated to that class yet. Uh, and the honey is the available. The honey is available yeah, in, in Turlock at the moment. And look, at if we do run out of it, I promise I'll get more. Okay, fair enough. Parag, listen, thanks a million. Thanks, dear. Um, we'll talk to you again next week, all going well. Um, stand by, Michael Neary is coming your way here on Midwest Radio directly after the news at 10 o'clock, which is on the way next with Angelina Nugent from Media Kelly. For the moment, have yourselves a very good Saturday and enjoy the weekend.